0: Hello everybody, this is cozy with the Two Sides of a Coin podcast. Sadly, John couldn't join us this week, he's still getting over his cold, so we'll wish him the best. On this episode, we are going to talk about the top five, in my opinion, of course, best Super Bowl commercials that have come out, and also, we're going to talk a little bit about the hit hbo show the last of us and how it's really interesting to see games take that next step from the game environment to the silver screen slash the smaller screen and how they all coincide so let's get into it unless you've been living under a rock the super bowl is coming up specifically Super Bowl 57 this year it's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Kansas City Chiefs I really don't have any dog in this fight I'm a New York Giants fan so I would rather the Eagles not win if they do then you know they still don't have as many championships as the Giants so I'm good with that one of the biggest things however with the Super Bowl isn't only the game it's not even the halftime show it's actually the commercials it's become a thing especially in america where the super bowl commercials are just as important if not to many people more important than the game they go for millions of dollars i think the current estimate is you'll pay a million dollars per I believe two to three seconds of a commercial being on simply because it's being broadcast on a national stage so usually companies come with their absolute a-game they are spending a ton of money on these commercials so they know that's gonna be the stage where a lot of people are gonna see it so they're gonna try and put their best foot forward With that being said, I wanted to compile a list of my top five favorite Super Bowl commercials. These are ones that came out over the years. Some of them are even older. Well, one in particular is even older than I've been alive. It's just become an absolute classic in regards to why Super Bowl commercials are what they are today. So let's jump into it. My number five Super Bowl commercial is one from the 1980s, and that's the classic Coca-Cola commercial with Mean Joe Green. If you've seen the commercials, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's one where Pittsburgh Steelers player Mean Joe Green, he is walking off the field, he's limping, he's cutting to the locker room, he runs into a kid kid asks for an autograph joe green says not right now because obviously he's hurting the kid offers him a coke joe green takes the coke drinks it then the kid walks away and he says hey kid and he throws him his jersey and gives that have a coke and a smile look it's a classic super bowl commercial it hits All the boxes that you want. It's short, it's to the point, it has a great ending. I mean, Mean Joe Green goes out there and when it ends on his face, have a coke and a smile with Mean Joe Green smiling. Pittsburgh Steelers fans obviously love that, as well as the public love that. It became the quintessential commercial for. This is why we do the Super Bowl commercial, simply because it raised Coca-Cola's profits massively after that commercial. And the brand campaign, Have a Coke and a Smile, was synonymous for years afterwards. It was incredibly impressive. And that's why even to this day, it's still one of my favorites, simply because it is so iconic. And whenever you talk about the greatest Super Bowl commercials out there, that's going to have to be on the list because it's essentially considered the original. My number four Super Bowl commercial, it's one from from Diet Pepsi in 1991. And that's the Diet Pepsi mini concert commercial that they did with Ray Charles where they unveiled their campaign you got the right one baby it was a very simple commercial in all honesty it was ray charles famous artist ray charles at a piano playing saying you know you know it's right you know what you're feeling baby and he goes into song where he's being backed up by you know A choir by a full orchestra, dancers, background singers, all of that. All singing about Diet Pepsi You Got the Right One Baby. And it it was so over the top that it really connected with everyone. Also, it had Ray Charles. And if you don't know who Ray Charles is, Ray Charles is one of the most iconic artist of his time so it was the right moment it chose the right person to write and to perform that song so because it was so good it kept with people so even if they didn't necessarily like Diet Pepsi they knew you got the right one baby because they knew it as the Ray Charles song And when you can put that big of a star with your brand and they become synonymous in that way, it's a very effective tool and it is one that's very, very hard pressed to be stopped and everything like that. And that's why it's my number four best Super Bowl commercial. Now, number three, the interesting thing about this commercial is it's not big because of when it came out or what it featured in the commercial it is kind of big because it was a precursor to a huge movie that came out about four years later so I'm talking about the Nike commercials now Nike has had many iconic Super Bowl commercials however this is one of the few Nike commercials that you can say almost directly led to a movie four years later and of course i'm talking about the 1992 Hare jordan commercial it was a nike commercial that featured not only michael jordan it also featured bugs bunny where bugs bunny is being interrupted by some basketball players he comes up to the real world the basketball players almost beat him up. He comes back and he's saying he's gonna beat them with his Nikes as Hare Jordan, spelled H A R E, and also with Michael Jordan. So this commercial obviously it's very cute. It was for the kids. It was a pretty effective Air Jordan commercial. It was so effective in fact that it's where the bases for the idea for the 1996 movie Space Jam to come out. And that's why this is my number three uh, Super Bowl commercial. It's not because the commercial was amazing. Commercial's okay. It had many gags that you would see in a Looney Tunes commercial or TV show. It Featured Michael Jordan being Michael Jordan. He wasn't asked to do a lot. I think one of his big lines was, who are you expecting? Elmer Fudd? So it's not something that's super memorable. And I would say for most people, there probably probably other Nike commercials that they would remember more. They probably remember the Nike commercial with Jordan and with anybody else. Or they remember more of the Tiger Woods Super Bowl commercial that came out a decade or two later. That is more iconic in terms of Super Bowl commercials. The reason why I put this one there is because this was essentially the test for the movie Space Jam. Which, if you were a kid and you liked basketball and you did not know what Space Jam was, come on. That's, that's very disappointing. It was a huge movie. It put a lot of... It put Nike essentially further on the map than it was. So, that's why I have this at my number three. There are better Nike commercials out there, I truly believe. I just don't think there are better Nike commercials... That lead to super successful uh, movies that came out years later. So for that reason and that reason alone, the Nike Air Jordan commercial that came out in 1992 is on my number three spot. Now my number two spot is obviously going to be a commercial from one of the biggest Spenders for Super Bowl commercials, and that of course is Budweiser. A lot of the alcohol brands they spend a lot of money on these commercials, usually, it's between Budweiser, Coors Lights. You know, these are the big, big competitors when it comes to spending for the Super Bowl. For the NFL in general, but especially on the Super Bowl. So the commercial I'm going to talk about is one that came out in 1995. And it is the absolute classic uh, Budweiser Frogs. Now, if you know that commercial, you know that commercial. I'll go into it if you don't. It's a very simple commercial. It is a bunch is three frogs on some lily pads. In a lake, being overlooking a bar, one of the frogs says Bud, the middle frog says Wise, and the one on the right says Err. And they just repeat that Budweiser, Budweiser. Very, very simple, very straightforward, and it's incredibly, incredibly iconic. Anyone who's Seeing that commercial knows immediately what the Budweiser Frogs are about. It ran not only in that Super Bowl. It ran in several Super Bowls. It ran for years afterwards. It launched an entire campaign about the Budweiser Frogs. There are several other iconic, uh, animals that are in alcohol commercials there's the of course the horses we all know about the horses from those classic commercials if I remember they're called the uh, Clydesdale horses for Budweiser so they've had success with other animals throughout their history this one is still in my opinion most iconic the Budweiser frogs are the pinnacle in my opinion of iconic animals at the Super Bowl commercials so for that reason I'm putting it at my number two spot now that we've talked about the other four let's talk about my number one and I'm going to preface this with a very quick note If you have been looking through this list there have been a lot of really good commercials and I'm sure number one will probably be incredibly controversial the one that I am picking so I'm gonna preface this by saying this is my choice there are plenty of great Super Bowl commercials that I'm sure many people are going to say, "Well, no, it wasn't this one that was the best commercial. It was this one that was the best commercial." You might have people say, "What about the Wendy's where's the beef commercial? That's better than this. What about the Waza commercials from Budweiser? Again, that's more number 1." I understand all of those points. I'm going to respectfully disagree. And I'm going to tell you what my number one Super Bowl commercial was. And that is a little commercial that came out in 2003. That commercial is called Terry Tate Office Linebacker. The Reebok commercial. Now, if you've seen that commercial, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't. Then let me explain. This commercial takes place in the classic office building environment and it's from the manager is sitting at his desk saying, hey, people thought we were crazy when we said we were gonna hire an office linebacker. However, productivity has gone up like almost 50% and you'll just see flashes of this guy dressed in a jersey who is tackling people who's giving full form tackles who's throwing people into walls telling them about all the things they're doing wrong in the office like you know you need a cover sheet on your tps reports that's a long distance call uh you better put the paper in the recycling bin you need to refill the coffee How break was over 15 minutes ago and when you see this commercial you just see him laying out these ridiculous hits that look incredibly hard on regular people just walking around in office attire so button up t-shirt button up shirt tie pants shoes and you see him do this and he ends it with, when it's game time, it's pain time. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm incredibly biased with this commercial. I love Terry Tate, office linebacker. I think also the thing that made this commercial so iconic was this was one of the first commercials that at least I can remember. And there might have been others before that. But this 2003 commercial was one of the first commercial where they had so much extended content after the commercial came out. This commercial spawned its own little commercial series where you saw Terry Tate go on vacation, where you saw Terry Tate take on sensitivity training, where you saw another linebacker get recruited and Terry Tate having to work with another linebacker in the office it spawned its own little mini universe and i loved it for that i loved every single moment of that so this was obviously when i was still growing up it connected with me which is what the best super bowl commercials do the best super bowl commercials they connect with you and they stay with you that's why i love this commercial so much i still go back and i try and watch some of the terry tate office linebacker stuff and it is still hilarious to this day so for that reason and that reason alone for the extra content that people immediately search for after the super bowl in my opinion terry tate Office linebacker is the number one Super Bowl commercial ever. And if you disagree, please let me know. Tell me what you think the actual best Super Bowl commercial was. I would love to hear from you guys as well as hear what your favorite Super Bowl commercial was and now we get on to our next topic now by the time this episode comes out it's going to be February 15th and for all of those people especially those in New York you're either going to be saying one of two things afterwards you're going to be saying happy Valentine's Day to a person you care about or you're going to be saying uh, au revoir to New York Fashion Week, which goes between the 9th and the 15th. It's always an interesting thing that it happens in such a busy week, simply because for Valentine's Day all over, restaurants are going to be busy, places are going to be packed, everything like that, and then you add on that layer of, well... Now we're also going to put in this major event here in the city. It's always fun to be in New York City during this time simply because the amount of beautiful people that you see just casually walking around always increases like a thousand percent because you're just seeing a lot more models a lot more influencers a lot more of the beautiful crowd just casually walking around new york since this is a big event for the fashion industry however the next thing i'm going to talk about really isn't the fashion industry and it's the third thing that's happening on february 15th and that is february 15th will be a full month since the show, The Last of Us, premiered on HBO slash HBO Max. This show has been groundbreaking. It has blown the doors off of premiere numbers, especially for a adaptation of a video game. It's The acting has been incredible. The storylines have been amazing. All of that and actually they pushed up episode 5 so by this time you would have seen episode 5 and you would see how just tragic the game reflects as well as the TV show. With all that being said because The Last of Us is such a huge phenomenon I want to talk about what this shows and what this you know, bodes going forward for video game properties. And how are these things going to move forward? How are they going to make sense? All of that. So let's just jump right into it. The first thing I want to say is the main reason The Last of Us has been so well received and it's been so well praised both critically and by the audience is simply because if you played the game the last of us you know it's just a good story now we all know last of us is about a zombie apocalypse although it's not necessarily zombies they are essentially zombies in this world. The apocalypse has already happened. Modern society has fallen. Huge swaths of the country are no longer populated except by beings that are known as clickers and bloaters and all of that stuff. So it is very, very, very fun. It's very nuanced. It's all these things, but it's also a found family story where you have Joel and Ellie. They are thrust together and they're trying to get towards their goal across country. Now, I've played the game and I love, love, love the game. I would say, however, that the biggest reason I loved the game was because of the story that was built into the game. It's a very linear game in that you go through segments and you move from progression to progression. It's not necessarily an open world in that sense. The big difference, however is because it wasn't necessarily an open world, it could tell this amazingly detailed story that the writers wrote and guided you on. So you wanted to play and get through the game so that we could get to the next part, so that we could see the story, see how it laid out. Because very early on, you understood that this game, while it was very fun, it was very tense, It also was about the story and that's what dragged most gamers into this. And I believe that is why The Last of Us TV show is so good. The story that they are building off of was just an incredible story. And when you have a lot of really good source material it's much easier to make an amazing story from that source material it's like when you try and make anything on the stove or make any meal the quality of your ingredients will definitely make any meal you want to try a lot easier to make that's always how it's been and it doesn't take a great chef to make a good meal from amazing ingredients it does take a great chef to make a really good meal from subpar ingredients and the writing crew and the directors and the showrunner for the last of us had amazing ingredients In this story and because of that they could truly make a great story that doesn't necessarily take away from the game it mostly follows the overarching theme of the game where they're going to be able to add their own little sprinkles into it which leads me into the second biggest thing about this video game Uh, adaptation which is they are treating it like an adaptation they are not treating a lot of this stuff from the source material as it being set in stone so what does that mean what that means is when you are writing a story there are certain things that you can't necessarily change and there are certain things that you can change The difference is really in how you portray that to the audience. So for the last of us, as many people have pointed out, the way that the virus is pushed out there, the way that it's being covered, especially the uh, big, big emphasis on the game and having a gas mask at all times that's not really emphasized in the tv show which is a departure from the story and actually a a very big one however whether the zombies were they infect you via touch or they infect you via airborne illness Doesn't take away from the storyline that's most important, which is the storyline between Joel and Ellie and their trip across country. That's the part that can't be changed and altered an incredible amount. So when we're getting these different kinds of zombies, when we're getting different changes to certain characters, when we're getting more emphasis on certain characters it's not necessarily changing the base DNA of this storyline which is a post-apocalyptic setting where the zombies are one thing and the humans that are left behind are a complete other and both can be equally if not more monstrous than the other and I think they have done an amazing job in terms of portraying that both on the screen as well as in the subtext behind it. Also, the third and final thing that I really love about The Last of Us is this is mostly with regards to them adding on to details that might have been understated in the game, And choosing to make their own way with certain parts of the story. Essentially, it's about being bold. And the biggest example of this, I could say, is anybody who's seen episode three of The Last of Us. I'm not going to go too deep into it. There is subtext behind one of the characters and their relationship with another person who, in the game, we don't meet. We only see them after they've died. However, in the TV show, there is much more emphasis on what their relationship is like. We get to see it essentially from beginning to end. And I think being able to see that storyline from beginning to end makes us care about these characters more. It fleshes out the story It makes it so that way we care just as much about Joel and about Ellie. We also care about the other characters that we see in this entire world. The world is breathing and living. I truly think a lot of people who want to write can look at this and say, this shows why building out is so important when you can focus on a completely different character essentially a side character and you can make us care and love that side character and their storyline and see how this can truly be a happy ending while also just being tragic in its own way and that's, that's truly what I love about the last of us and how it's going throughout and how it's being received throughout the world now this also portends to how we're going to see video games going forward are we going to see more video game adaptations being sold I mean being seen and in all honesty we've already seen that happen on Netflix we saw The Witcher on we also saw a couple of really good animated shows in regards to Castlevania in regards to Arcane, Leech of Legends but this feels different in a way this feels a lot more stripped down And also, it feels like it hits that great balancing act between being honest and true to the source material that you're writing, as well as telling a good story, which I think has been lacking a little bit. I've seen the latest Halo TV show. That was all right, It just didn't feel like it had a cohesive story that it was telling within itself. It felt like it was more separate vignettes with a very thin through line. It didn't feel like a solid, strong story. This feels like a solid, strong story. The Witcher feels a lot weaker than The Last of Us, but it still feels relatively solid in the story that it's telling and that doesn't even get started on the amazing animated content we are getting from netflix from amazon we're getting some amazing stories being told about video games i really think the reason that we're getting all of these stories that are being told is because When you are playing a video game, you are the main character. You are the focus of where the story is going. So when you become attached to that character, you care about what's coming next. And since you're generally the one that's making the decisions, you want to see how your decisions weigh out in this world. So transitioning that to a smaller format or a larger format like movies or tv it's a little bit more difficult it's not impossible and i truly believe that the last of us will serve as a great template on how to honor both sides how to honor the story that's given and also to honor the story that needs to be written. Also I think many writers and studios will take away from this at the end of the day that if you write something with a great story people will go to see it no matter if it's attached to the video game or not. But if you write something with great story already there it becomes a lot easier to build and drive off of it so we're gonna see i'm hopeful for how all of this is going to turn out and while i don't have a game that i'm particularly invested in seeing on tv or on movies i can't wait to see which ones they're going to pull next i just hope it's not a game with a lot of fun attached to it just not a lot of context given for it so we'll see what comes up next and that is it for us ladies and gentlemen so if you want to give us any shout out you want to send us any information you want to reach out for anything for the podcast please find us on twitter at the username Two Sides Coin. You can find us on Instagram at the Two Sides of a Coin username. You could also email us at Two Sides Podcast at gmail.com. That's T W O S I D E Z Podcast at gmail.com. You can listen to the podcast on Podbean and on Spotify. We'd love to hear from you guys, love your feedback, and we hope that you had a really good, solid rest of the week, and also a very fun uh, Valentine's Day, even though it's on a Tuesday, all right? You guys have a good one.